Welcome to the Serie A Show. Hello, everybody. We are back. It's another episode of the Serie A Show. We hope you are doing well. So the exciting thing is, guys, um, there are about five different places where we could start with this episode. So I'm sure somebody will find issue with the first topic that we picked, but so be it. Um, let's start with the the controversial, the the highlight match of the weekend. It was Juve, Milan, Chloe. What did you make of it? Um, I th- it, it kind of went down sort of how I expected in a way because it seems like those matches between those two teams have kind of followed a pattern in recent times where Milan have come out really, really good, really impressive, and it looks like they've maybe got Juve on the ropes. And then Juve come out in the second half and they just kind of destroy them and and squash any of their hopes and dreams. Um, but actually... Um, there was more to it than that. Um, it did go like that, but um, I think that Milan were very unlucky um, and, and hard done to by the fact that they should have had a penalty and the fact that Juve's penalty um, wasn't a penalty, in my opinion. Um, I don't like to get too bogged down into the conspiracy theories and the referees and everything like that, but I did. I did think that they they were genuinely unlucky there, um, and and it you know it it was a shame because it it was another great game between the two of them, and we've seen that quite a lot recently. I think. Nima. Yeah. <clears throat> no. So um, I, I agree with a lot that um, I agree with a lot that uh, uh, that Chloe said there. Um, for me, I. I I thought, for me, it's a bigger issue. This this whole thing with the handball this season, the you know we saw we saw it in the Champions League again yesterday between Tottenham and Manchester City. There needs to be clarification on the handball rule because right now the discrepancy between one one decision and another is just is a mile wide. It's the Grand Canyon uh, when it comes to the differences of interpretation, and that's why I think they have to. They like they need to they need to address this issue. Uh, right now, it's a lottery. I mean, Mancini, <laughs> Mancini joked saying next season every single time the ball touches someone's hand is going to be a penalty. And well, you know, maybe that's to prefer because at least there's a little bit of consistency here uh, in that case. Now it's just it's a lottery. It literally is a lottery whether or not it's a penalty or not. Um, and it just can't go on uh, like this. Um, but I do think uh, Milan were were unlucky. Um, but but at the same time, I think Juve were were fantastic uh, when it, it, in the sense that when they wanted to play, when it, it was it was as if they were like, let's decide this game now. And then they did, um, and they were completely in control. Uh, and that's the feeling that I've had all, you know, we've had all season when looking at Juventus in the Serie A, that they, they have never, ever this entire season been in, been once been in trouble, um, and that's why I think they're going to wrap up the Scudetto this weekend. Yeah, and for me, the issue in the episode with the handball wouldn't have been nearly as bad because I do agree. I thought it was bad. I, I just the lack of consistency the lack of explanation, it wouldn't have been that bad. But then we saw just a day later in Sassuolo Lazio, in my opinion, one of the most questionable handballs I have ever seen given. And then what we saw on Monday was we saw the Italian uh, Referees Association. They met with each of the clubs in Serie A, big meeting, and they doubled down on that decision. What did you guys make of that? Because I, I just... This lack of clarity, this inconsistency is absolutely mind-boggling. And you have VAR, and it's just bizarre to me that none of us can agree on what a handball is. Well, that's because, again, that, that's, again that's got to come down from 
from from the uh, IFAB, the International Federation of the Referees, that they have to come, which governs this, which is you know, which is FIFA's governing refereeing body. They need to come down because clearly, the rules aren't uh, are are you know, there is a con- there is confusion here. They need to send out to all, you know, they need to send out uh, direct. Uh, director the directorship like just direct what is it and what it isn't because right now the the the, the interpretations are so wide it's so big um and and that's what causes the confusion in my opinion uh, it doesn't matter if you have a if you have a video you know if you have a var or if you have video assistance if the interpretation is going to be different you know that's not the var being you know that's not the var's fault you know, if you watch something in slow motion and still interpret it differently than the, another person who watches it in slow motion, it's not the technology's fault. It's it's the issue. It's the lack of clarity in terms of what is and what handball isn't, and that's why I think we need we need we need to have clarity because right now it's just a muddle. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it it probably that the the incident itself, if. If you go off the the letter of the law of what should be a handball, it, it it probably wasn't. But if you look at every other single de- um, decision that's been given in Serie A this yeah. season, then yeah. it, it was D'Ambrosio. So, that didn't even touch his hand, and he got he got, uh, yeah. he got done for handball. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's been real, real just frustrating because we have this technology and it feels like we're just using it inconsistently. Um, but Juve, they also have a very, 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 very important match coming up against Ajax. What are you two expecting from that? Um, the the absence of Chiellini, in my opinion, is massive, and I think that's a huge blow. Chloe, what do you think? <laughs> you know what I think about Rogani in his place, um, but um, yeah, I, it it'll be tough. There's no doubt it'll be tough. But I, I do think that that aside from maybe a, a performance like in the first leg against uh, Atletico Madrid, that Juve probably have too much quality, um, even without Chiellini in the ranks. Uh, and I I, I think. I think they'll probably win tonight, and I th- I think they'll go through. Um, but you know, <laughs> we thought that against Atletico Madrid, or we thought it would be tough, but we didn't expect that performance from Juve. So, yeah, I I think I think that I think they'll do it. Um, yeah. Nima. I I agree. I I, I expect um, them to go through. But I don't expect. Um, I don't think it'll be as easy as a lot of people think because I think this this Ajax side is is has got some you know great players in it, some great young players in it, and they've got a lot of. I think they'll surprise a lot of people. Uh, I mean, you know, the Real Madrid tie uh, that kind of showed, you know, that maybe Real Madrid are a little bit past it. It's a you know it's it's a, it's not a balanced team anymore. But for me, um, I think uh, I, I think Ajax will will really shake Juve. But in the end, I think Juve's Juve Juve being a much more ready team, a uh, much more balanced team, uh, even without um, Chiellini and uh, Rugani playing, I think uh, Juve will go through. I think Allegri's got that playing like a self-playing piano right now. Yeah, I agree. And Chloe, we've made it almost ten minutes. We have not uttered a word about Fiorentina. So it, it has. It's been quite a 48 hours. So let's look at the positives first. You avoid Eusebio Di Francesco. And that's it. To me, that's the only positive. Um, I For me, um, Montella is just a non-starter in my opinion. I don't know what that does for you. What? Wh- where is your head with all this? Because this has been truly, truly bizarre. It has, uh, and it, it it's all comes from the root cause of every problem with Fiorentina, which is the the owners. You know, um, so to to rewind a little bit, we had uh, a terrible defeat versus Frosinone at home at the weekend which obviously um, 
you know, the the owners after all those draws and then a defeat at home to Fosinoni, they they had to do, they had to respond in some way, and. Uh, the way that they did respond was to say that in the next 48 hours following that defeat, they were going to um, talk about Stefano Pioli's future and whether to sack him immediately. And it was already pretty clear that he wouldn't be staying beyond the end of the season, but they, they were talking about removing him right away. And at the end of the the statement at the end of the um, sorry the the forty eight hours or slightly before they came out and said uh, in a the most bizarre statement I have ever ever read um, basically they said <laughs> that they were they were sticking with Pioli but that everyone had to respect the shirt and um, that they had to sort of start fighting for each other and I'm thinking. Yeah, but that wasn't the problem. <laughs> you know, they everybody was, all the young players in the squad, everybody was trying, everybody was fighting. That wasn't the issue. And it was uh, so tone deaf and it was so bizarrely worded. And um, it just shows that they're so, so out of touch with the supporters and, and what's actually happening. Um, so then yesterday, uh, Stefano Pioli uh, said... Basically, it came out that he he was quitting and that he was going to release a, st- a statement uh, later in the day. And he did. And he said that his um, professional and both his professional and human qualities were coming into question, um, which, you know, I, I can kind of understand from with that really weird statement. And who knows what other stupid mistakes they've made the the club because you know we've seen it so many times before um I think that Pioli needed to go I think that his um you know as I've said before for several weeks he didn't really have a clue what you know what what he was doing on the pitch but you know on a like he said his, his human qualities had come into question and I think that's so so unfair to a man that basically single-handedly held up the club when Davide Astori died. He, he, you know, he consoled the players, he spoke to the press at a time when he must have been in shock and, and grieving as much, if not more, than the rest of them. Um, and I think to treat him like that was just absolutely appalling. Um, in terms of Montella, so, you know, it very quickly... Um, sort of came out that it would be Montella that replaced him. And um, I think for it to have come out so quickly, it sort of said to me that perhaps they had him lined up for the end of the season anyway, and that they've just brought him in a little bit earlier. Um, I know a lot of people say it's a very weird appointment and a lot of people, based on his past uh, two clubs, are saying that, you know, it's, it's probably a strange move and it's not right. But I actually, you know, I actually really like Montella um, and I'm, I'm quite quietly optimistic because he had three amazing seasons at Fiorentina and we finished fourth in each one of those. Um, I know it's not gone well for him at Sevilla, it's not gone well for him at Milan, um, but he is good at merging a squad of young players and... Um, you know that's the job that he's got to do now basically and if he came in and if he took us even to the Coppa Italia finals never mind winning it it would just be incredible and I'm willing to give him a chance because of his past Um, it's bizarre because the way he left he he fell out with the owners and they wouldn't give him the money he needed to take Fiorentina into the Champions League Um, but I guess now we're not anywhere near that position we're 10th in the league and so that isn't really, it isn't really an issue. So, you know, I've got my fingers crossed um, and let's just see what happens. Sure. Nima, what did you make of it? Um, you know, I'm an, I'm an Inter fan. I'm used to chaos and stuff. Uh, this was nothing. If you think this is chaos, I mean, there was no, there was no, there was no cryptic messages in black and white on Instagram. There were no misquotations of Mark Twain. <laughs> there was no 
so I, for me, this was not this was not bizarre at all. Um, no one, no one, no one showed their T's and as A's on 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 in, on, on t- TV. Um, you know, no, no, this was not this was not bizarre at all. This was just you know a little a normal resign. No, but seriously, um, no, I, I think uh, Di Francesco that would have been impossible. Uh, before this, uh, be, uh, due to the r- rules in the Serie A that you can't coach two uh, teams uh, within the same uh, season in the Serie A, which I think is a kind of a good rule. But uh, when 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 Montella was announced, I, I actually reacted the way you did, Chloe. I don't think that I don't think at all it was. A, I, I think it's a really natural, it's a really normal and natural decision, um, and and I think that it's one that Corvino. Uh, would make because they, you know, it, it seems so, so obvious in in many ways. He did really well at at, at Fiorentina uh, the last time, as you said. Um, his the problem was with the De La Valle brothers, not with anyone else. Um, and he knows the piazza, he knows the city, he knows he knows the club, uh, he knows what's expected of him. And uh, now he's basically coming back as kind of a savior. Um, because they're, they're, you know, they're they're in tenth, um, and you know, being in tenth position, there's only one way up, and, that, and there's only one way now, and that's up. Uh, so I, I actually think it's a really clever decision. I think Di Francesco would have been so wrong, horribly wrong, for so many reasons that I would not have done that. Yeah, I thought Di Francesco would have been a disaster. Uh, Chloe, are you surprised that they didn't name a caretaker and then wait until the summer and perhaps do a more um, more of an extensive search? Because as you said, I, I mean, this developed incredibly quickly, almost suspiciously quickly. Yeah, well, it was either a, a very, very knee-jerk reaction or they'd already got him lined up from the summer. Um, I think if... I think if he was if he was already lined up, then it makes sense that they didn't get a caretaker because it allows him to finish the season. There's there's nothing to play for left in the league and, and he's got this chance in the Coppa Italia. Um and it gives him a chance to sort of see where the land lies and see what he might need to do next season. It it gives him a, a massively long introduction for next season and, and that makes sense. But I guess if it was, I'm, I think I'm kind of happy that they brought in somebody permanent rather than a caretaker because I think it would have been a real insult to Pioli to bring in a caretaker when it was his work that got it, got them um, to where they are in the Coppa Italia in the first place. And to not allow him to finish that and give it to a caretaker just seems like really petty. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably worked out for for the best, except for the way they handled it. Mm, that's fair. Nima, your team drew against Atalanta and handed Roma the lifeline of the century. So this Champions League race, from a Roma perspective, I declared it dead in the water. And it takes one weekend to shove my words back into my mouth. And this entire thing is wide open now because Milan lose to Juve. Uh, Inter, Atalanta both drop points. Lazio drop points to Sassuolo. This thing is wide open now. This is incredible. I mean, for me... This is really one of the few storylines left in the league, other than perhaps the relegation race. What are you guys thinking about this now? Because this this thing has flipped down its head in just uh, one single match day. No, I I think at the, the I mean it's like we said last week, isn't it? This is a this is basically these two places are a chicken race between the the two, you know, the, those who suck the least, um, and. Uh, you know that's basically how it's going to be, but um, I, I I think that yes they have handled uh, Inter. I mean, are five points clear. I think Inter will. You know, I was looking. They play so many games at home. They play Roma at home. They play Juve at home. But above all, they play uh, they play Kievo as well. Um, and they've got Frosinone on the weekend. For me, I mean, if Inter win three more games, I think they're going to clinch that third spot. Um, Given that, uh, given if you look at the other teams' calendars as well, so I think for Inter and also 
you have to, you know, this is Atalanta, and Atalanta, who are one of the most positive surprises of the season, especially attacking football. Inter didn't allow them to get a shot on target uh, with De Frey, Stefan De Frey injured. Um, that's that's impressive. So I think that the defense is working really well. Uh, you know, even after Brozovic, um, I think this was a game where where if Marcelo Brozovic had played ninety minutes, Inter would have won. Now he got injured, um, and and that really really threw. Uh, spanner into the works, but uh, because, but then again, the, the Spalletti made the wrong, got it wrong, because you, you know replacing Brozovic with Raja Golan and then moving Vecino back into that position, back deeper down, where where he doesn't work, he just simply isn't good enough there. He he's good when he can play almost like in that kind of free trequartista role, where his runs, where his forward runs and his high pressing can do a lot of good. Uh, I mean, personally, I would have played Borja Valero as a straight replacement between Brozovic because those two players have are the players with the most similar uh, traits tactically. Uh, but I think so. I think that's what we're going to see from now on. I think we're going to see a certain we're going to see Borja in that position until Brozovic returns. Um, I don't think Inter will. I think Inter will. You know, won't. I don't think Inter will lose against Ranieri's Roma. Uh, I think that's a draw. Uh, same thing against Juventus. I don't see them losing that. I think it's a draw. And then the other games they've got uh, Frosinone, Kievo, etc. These are these are team. You know, most of these games are at home. So uh, for me, Inter are the th- are third, um, but but Roma have got a re- have got a big chance now, uh, and they can really turn this all the negativity on its head by finishing fourth. And Milan, who everyone has been, myself included, has been, you know, praising Gattuso and praising Milan, that could you know we, that you know that could end up uh, being a a missed opportunity and kind of leave that kind of sensation with you that oh they had it in their hands but they threw it all away uh, and um, so so no I, I, I it depends I think this weekend will this will crystallize itself as to who that fourth place will be uh, because remember you know Lazio they've got they've got Udinese and Udinese aren't exactly entirely safe from relegation either and they've they, they've looked really really well uh, they're battling for their lives, so um, yeah, no, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. But in the end, I think I think after this weekend, it's it's easier to say. Chloe, what did you or what what's your opinion on this? Because I I just I you know from a pure Roma perspective, I don't want to get my hopes up, but um, I mean just just last week we were talking about Lazio. You guys mentioned. Um, just how well they've been doing, how, from a managerial standpoint, how well they're coached. And, wow, did they blow a huge opportunity, I think, against Sassuolo. And one that, I I mean, the, with that handball, they were given a, a lifeline of a goal. Um, they, I mean, they should have lost that match. Yeah, um, I think what, when you look at the table, there's a clear now divide between Torino in eighth and Sampdoria in ninth because Torino got 49 and Samp have got 45. So it's for that one place, it's now just a five horse race rather than um, <laughs> it was more than that before, I think. Um, but obviously, Milan and Atalanta have got 52, then Roma just one point behind them. So Lazio and Torino are slightly. At disadvantage, but uh, I was just looking at the uh, Milan's running, and actually they've got some tough and quite exciting games. They play Lazio this weekend, and then they've got Torino, and they've got relegation-threatened Bologna, and they've also got Fiorentina. So they do actually have quite a tough run. So I think I do think Roma could possibly sneak in there because that you can't rule them out. They're only one point behind and we we've seen before that Ranieri loves the kind of uh, um, to go at something where a team have been written off you, we saw that with Leicester absolutely um, and Roma point. yeah Roma have been written off and and I think Ranieri loves that kind of challenge where he can he can get them um, get them positive and get them thinking we can do it, and you know they could, they they could definitely sneak in there. I think it'll be harder for Lazio or Torino, so probably yeah, Milan, Atalanta or Roma. Well, 
we also can't forget that uh, Milan also have their second leg against Lazio in the Coppa Italia. So they're also going to have to prioritize, at least to a smaller extent, because there's only one leg left. Um, they're going to have to prioritize what they want to do because it's 0-0 on aggregate. So there's everything to play for in that second leg. Um, and as you mentioned, they do have a difficult uh, run in here. So it's going to be interesting to see how this shapes up because I, I, I don't know what to make about this. It, it is just so intriguing, this race for the Champions League place. Um, but Nima, I want to build off some, something that you, you said, that you do think Inter will finish third. Do you think if they finish third, that the, regardless, that Spalletti is out? Oh, definitely, because uh, this is this season has the, the only. I mean, that would be the only positive thing because <laughs> in, in Inter would have finished third not because of uh, progress. They would have finished third because of a Roma in free fall, um, uh, um, um, a Milan in a foundation year. Um, you know, they, they would have, they would have finished third by almost by default. Uh, not because not so much due to Spalletti or or their own. You know what they've done. Uh, what they've done themselves, but they would have finished third despite all the chaos that's been, and despite of Spalletti, in spite of uh, uh, Spalletti's antics. Uh, so no, there's no doubt that he's 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 he's, he's staying. Um, this this year has been completely chaotic, and the fact that they finished third is is a lot of it is down to Beppe Marotta. Uh, a lot of it is down to having uh, Suning there. I mean, as I said, if this was if this this these antics were going on during the Moratti years, Inter would be probably battling relegation. Like it would be complete freefall. Um, now there are grown-ups at the club. There's a, there's a structure in place, and therefore uh, th- there isn't a freefall. Um, but no, I don't I, I don't see I don't see Spalletti staying. I don't think he, you know it was the thing is for Inter it's about uh, getting out of the settlement agreement. If they can be if they can you know if they can get out of the settlement agreement with UEFA, uh, then this which which they're on you know they're on schedule to do that this June. If they can do that, then then they'll just pay him his severance package and send him packing, um, and uh, and and then it looks like it's more and more looking like Conte. Um, I I don't know what I think. I, I'm still very conflicted about him or Mourinho, but it seems like it's fifty fifty or possibly fifty five forty five advantage Conte um, for next season, and and you know we'll see we'll see how that goes, but. Uh, but no, I, I, they, I mean, Inter have failed in every single seasonal objective. Um, they'll, pro- they'll probably end up with fewer points than they had last season. Last season they had 70 points. Uh, they, they won't get that. They won't get there. They've lost more games than they did last year. Um, they, they didn't reach the Coppa Italia goals. So basically, the only reason Inter finished third is, is because of uh, Roma's free fall and Milan you know, being in their foundation year. Uh, not because of anything else, and that just shows that Spalletti. You know, you can say that okay, well, Spalletti's job was to get into to the Champions League, and sure, he he will have done both that in both seasons, but this man is is not fit to run this to run this club, it's, to run this team. It's it's just that simple. So we talked about them very briefly last week, and I feel like we didn't give them their just due, even though they missed a huge opportunity at the weekend. Torino drew against Parma. But they, I, I feel like we're not even really considering them much of a candidate for this Champions League place. But nonetheless, I mean, they are right there in the, th- in the thick of it, just along with everybody else. Um, we've had more time to think about it, but... What are your guys' opinions on this Torino side? Because I, I watched them again. Yes, at the weekend, they were not good against Parma. They you know, drew 0-0. But in previous weeks, I, I can't get over how impressive they've been. And, and I feel like they're doing this with a squad that, on paper, um, is really inferior to some of the teams behind them or below them in the table. I, I don't know what to make of them, but part of me is sort of supporting them because they have looked so, so good this season. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I think they they have been absolutely brilliant, and Mazzari just deserves so much credit from the way that he's gone about his job this season. Um, I, I don't, I think there's too too many ifs and buts, and I think I don't think they'll get in there. But it would be good to see them get in the Europa League, and and for 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 there to be something to show for their 
amazing efforts. Um, and I think, you know, last season, I think the fans were really, really unhappy with how mediocre they were. Um, and I, for them to to pull it back this year, and we've not really very much more in terms of um, investment or resources, is is just, you know, it's incredible, really. Yeah, and... Belotti has really had a nice comeback season. Um, he has rebounded extremely well. Um, maybe we were too, yeah, maybe we were all too quick to to write him off. Uh, perhaps he just needs some time to recover. Everybody forgets he had that injury uh, to his knee with the ACL, and maybe he just needed time to return. But what do you two think of him? Because for me. I, I think it is if there has ever been a summer for him to make the jump, um, this has to be it. No. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, I either tweet, tweeted it or wrote it somewhere that um, it, he he sort of chickened out and didn't really move when he was had that peak season. I think he scored either twenty six or twenty seven goals, and now he's he's got to do it or he'll end up. He'll end up like um, he'll he'll end up like Bellotti because uh, not Bellotti Berardi because oh gosh yeah because you'll just end up linked with people all the time and then just end up staying and he needs to make that move now and make himself a you know uh, a proper name for his for his quality he's he's got a clear quality. In my, I, I really like Belotti. Uh, I've been a fan ever since I, you know, ever since I first, you know, his breakout season at at, uh, at Torino. And the reason for that is because he's such a modern striker. Um, he's uh, he has he he's fast. He's strong. He can score with both feet. He's good in the air. He's a very modern striker. And for me, this is you know, you know, during this ten year historical low ebb that Italian football has been in, in terms of attacking players, especially in terms of attacking players that I can't remember ever previously in Italian football history. Um, he's been the only kind of glimmer of hope in, 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 in dark periods as the centravanti, the, the, the number nine. For me, he is the number nine that Mancini should build his... Uh, his his team around uh, with with the Insignias and Chiesas on the wings. That is a team that can win Italy titles. That is a team that you know, together with with Mancini's ability to bring bring in young players, uh, that 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 is now Italy are a team that, in my opinion, can win the European the European Championships if Belotti is fit, because he he he's modern. Um, he's and as you guys say, also this this thing, what, if he leaves in the summer. But the thing is, I don't see him. Where should he go? Um, because I don't see him. If if Icardi leaves, um, I don't I don't think he's the natural replacement. Belotti. I, I would I would love to have him absolutely because I think he's a quality player. But I, I don't think Inter are are, ta- are looking in those terms. They're looking more into. The you know Romelu Lukaku, they're looking more to this Duvan Zapata type of player. Belotti can play that role, but he's not that kind of a striker. Um, but but having said that, I don't know um, if if he, if I if I think that it's it's that that wrong that he stays at Torino because um, you know it's something beautiful about it, isn't it? I mean, if you look at you know the Di Natale's the. Quagliarellas, you know, these kind of players who are brilliant, but they kind of, they succeed at a smaller club, a smaller piazza. I like that about Italian football. Um, and, and uh, uh, you know, Luca Toni never really, never really played, you know, okay, sure, he, he came to Juve for like five minutes at the twilight of his career. But, but when he was at his best, you know, he was at his best at Palermo. He was at his best at Fiorentina um, and then abroad at Bayern Munich. Never really at an Inter, Milan, or Juve. So maybe that—that's what Belotti will do. I think Belotti might. Maybe he's a player that could go to the La Liga, perhaps, or to maybe to the Premier League, or even even a Bundesliga top side, and and take that uh, next uh, salta di qualità, as the Italians call it, the next mm-hmm. leap of quality. Um, there, uh, because I don't. I, don't, I mean, Milan, Pionte, Cotrone. 
Cotone is a known product. Piontek is going to be there for at least five years. You know, there's no room there. Um, you know, if Jekko leaves, you know, if Roma want to really... Bingo. Yeah, that would be... A, <laughs> no, but that would be brilliant. I mean, if, if Roma want to, you know, if Roma are going to rebuild, I mean, I think Belotti to Roma would be a brilliant move. Uh, you know, re, re, renew, rebuild and all that. Uh, at Inter, Inter don't seem to be wanting that kind of a... Uh, striker, as I said, and also with the names being discussed, I don't. Mourinho is not, you know, I don't. I don't see Mourinho. For me, Belotti isn't a Mourinho type striker, or nor is he a Conte striker. Um, so I, I just don't see that. Um, but uh, so uh, no, I, I think unless it's Roma, I, I just don't see where the, there's no room at the other other ends, so to speak. Um, so. But I definitely think I really like him. I really, really like him, and I, I would I want to see him succeed because, as I said, I think a Tridente up front with a Insigne, Chiesa, and Belotti, that that's that's in that midfield with Verratti, Insigne, sorry, Verratti and and Jorginho and and or Zaniolo, Barella, etc. That's 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 title winning good for Italy. So Chloe, you just mentioned him. And it while while we're all talking, I I just had to do some Google search on Dominico Berardi. What Jesus Christ, this guy! Um, I mean, some of the first things that come out up are are links to him in Barcelona, links to him in Roma, Inter. Has there ever been a player who has been <laughs> just overhyped um, season after season? I mean, if you want to talk about a guy, just massive, massive regret. I, it's so hard to come up with a bigger, more iconic name than him because it's – I mean, half the time you wouldn't even know um, he's still at Sassuolo. You you would just assume he's retired. I mean, he just doesn't capture <laughs> – just he, he doesn't capture the attention like he did. Um, what happened to him? I Everybody can have a theory. What's yours? I think he's a bit. He's a bit. Um, he's a bit of a coward in a way. I think. Mm. I, you know, I just. I, you know, a lot of at the time when like, his hype was biggest and he was really scoring a lot and you know a lot of people talking about him and you know a lot of things he seemed to be saying were like, oh, I'm really happy at Sassuolo and I know players say that but then they move on anyway but he just didn't um, and I don't know whether it's that it was his choice or that clubs kind of saw that he had this, he didn't have a very strong mentality or I, I don't know. I don't know why, but he's, he's just doesn't seem very ambitious somehow. I don't know. For me, it's more of a issue. I mean, if he seems to be a very special character. I mean, this was a guy we should remember that when, when co-ownerships were allowed, he was part, it was owned basically by Juventus 50%. And he declined Juventus at two, three separate occasions because um, I think this is a guy who his character, um, you know, he, he's that kind of a character. I don't know if it's cowardice or whatever, but this is a guy who needs to be, um, I don't know, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't stri- strike me as a person who walks into a room and dominates it. He's not an alpha male in that sense. And I think at a club like Juve, Inter Milan, where you've got to take your own, you've got to, you know, you, you, you know, he, he, he seems to me like a, like a little bit too shy and timid. And that's what a lot of his youth coaches have said about him as well, that the guy is very shy. He's very timid. He's, he's, he doesn't like um, the, 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 the spotlight on him too much. Um, so he's not a modern footballer in that sense at all. Um, but but uh, he seems happy at Sassuolo, and and again, as I said before, tying tying to, to the, you know, the Di Natale's and the Quagliarellas, etc. There is this, this is something that I this is an aspect of Italian football that I absolutely love. Um, I like it when you have these players who 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 are young or no matter what age they are, they they are they stay at these clubs, they stay at these. Uh, medium-sized clubs, mid, you know, what you call mid, mid-table clubs, or even bottom-table clubs, and they just, you know, they they're happy with life, and they don't want the millions and the titles and all the glamour, uh, and and I think that's that's pretty beautiful. Mm. Well, way to make Chloe and I seem like complete assholes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> I'm no, thinking. No. 
Oh, maybe I was rather hard. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's uh, no. I just it, he is, but like with with him, it's. Uh, b- because if you remember, I mean, when his breakthrough season, when he scored four against Milan, I think he scored six goals against them in, in two games. Uh, he got Allegri sacked even uh, that game. Um, that was the game that Allegri got sacked from Milan. Um, you know, he, he immediately, like, he just shies away from the attention. He just looks so incredibly uncomfortable whenever he's being interviewed and whenever he's um, he's being, like, under focus. And he, I think he is one of those people who likes it at a smaller place. I think that kind of life, um, to a lesser extent, like a Gilardino, remember that kind, you know, that, that kind of player that doesn't really, can't really take it at a really big place. I mean, Gilardino was excellent. Uh, Parma was okay at Milan, but he never really got going. was good at Fiorentina. Um, so I think maybe that, 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 that's the kind of character he is. Hmm. Well, um, I will try not to take that as a slight, but let's let's shift gears real quick. The relegation race, it is happening. As a fellow Venetian, thank Christ we won't have to hear from this club for a full calendar year. Chievo Verona, goodbye, arrivederci. We won't miss you, but once again, uh, they get pumped, this time at the hands of Bologna, and then um, Empoli, they lose to Udinese. So now they find themselves in the relegation zone. This race is just as exciting as the Champions League one because you could pick three three different sides as to who could go down. I'm so excited about this race. And also with Frosinone, I mean, you've, this is also another aspect. Frosinone are only seven points now. They're on 23 points. They're only seven off the mark. Uh, of, of being, you know, of, of being able to stay up. I mean, from the, from the from that spot. I mean, this is turning into even a four or five teams into this. It's so exciting. This relegation battle this season is going to be, uh, is so incredibly exciting. And, and and you know, Empoli and Bologna and you know, Spal and Udinese. The, you know, they they win. All these teams keep winning now, which is what's so exciting. Usually, in a relegation battle, when you see a strong run of form like the one Spal had. That means, okay, they're safe, but they're not safe because the others are winning now. You know, one week Empoli is winning when Spal is losing. Then the next week Spal wins and Empoli loses. And then you have Bologna in the middle. Now, it's, it's incredibly exciting. Um, I, uh, and that's why I said that after this weekend, we'll see regard, in regards to the Champions League because Roma play Udinese, um, you know, the, the, <laughs> that's going to be so important for, for the relegation battle. You've got Fiorentina Bologna, you know, Montella's first game in charge uh, against the Bologna, and then and then you got you know Frosinone playing it uh, playing against Inter, and then you got Atalanta hosting Empoli. I mean, the, <laughs> this you know, and then all of those teams are in, involved in one shape, way or another, into um, in, in the Champions League race or the relegation race. Uh, so in, uh, this this weekend is pretty much a water divider. Uh, as to how how things will go, Chloe, who do you want to see go down? Has it changed at all? Because I, my my opinion, um, just because I like having Mihalovic in the league, I don't want to see Bologna go down. We've all agreed that it'd be best for Bologna to stay. They're one of those historic, uh, fixated city art clubs. Um, but Andrea Zoli has actually been getting something. Out of Empoli, they have two victories in their last five, which, oddly enough, would usually be enough to get you above that hump. But they find themselves in 18th. So what what do you make of it? Um, I was having a little, little look at this earlier on today. And um, I think I was going to say with Mihailovic that Bologna will stay up because he's so we know how he is as a coach and he's very tenacious and everything else but I actually looked and they I think looking at it they probably have the hardest running um I who I want to go down for me is probably Udinese I I do I know um Nima and probably you Don they're not keen on Empoli but um I this 
their values and their ethos I do I do quite like it so um, I think Bologna have uh, Milan, Napoli, Sampdoria, Fiorentina they have a really hard running so I'm kind of thinking that they're going to struggle to stay up now because I think they're only two points ahead of Empoli um, I think yeah, I think who who I want to go down would probably be Udinese because I don't like the sort of clownish way in, in which they're being run um, by hiring and firing the coaches and sending players to Watford and I, I just I just don't like that. Even though they have a cool stadium, I don't I don't like that. So uh, who I want to go down Udinese, who I think might go down sadly maybe Bologna. Yeah, I mean, Empoli, two of their next three matches, um, so they have Atalanta on Monday, and then they face Spal, and then they face Bologna. I mean, we'll have a pretty clear understanding after that run right there, whether or not yeah. they're going to be the ones to go down. Um, so yeah. it is an exciting race. I, I'm not as excited about it as Nima is, because you could just hear the elation <laughs> in his voice. <laughs> I know. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, love, I love that enthusiasm. I, I was about to interject, yeah, but uh, you... You, were, you sounded so excited. I, I didn't want to... I, I, I love the Serie I really, really love the Serie Like, all aspects of it. And, yeah. I mean, and also, the Serie B is going to be so exciting as well, if you look at who's coming up and who's going down. And then you have Chievo going down, the Campanelli era coming to an end almost, uh, which has been extraordinary in and of itself, that uh, local, like, block team like Chievo, just from a part of the city, have been able to stay in the Serie A for such a long time. What's going to happen there? Now it's, there's so much, it's so much, so much excitement going on in, in Italian football right now. If you, if you're like, if you're into that kind of stuff, and you know, if you're into that, into the into the direttore sportivi uh, fixation that I have, and, and the projects, the Italian football projects, and how they are built, I, I there's so much going on, and I'm really, I'm really, really excited. So I don't know about you guys. We can talk about. Let's end it here. We'll end it with the City of B race. Who we want to see promoted. Um, Nima, I think you've mentioned this in a previous episode, but I am a fan of having um, geographical diversity amongst Syria. Um, obviously, with Roma, they're they're sort of in their own little world. With Lazio, Frosinone is now close by, but there's the potential that they go down. Uh, Napoli. It's very clear that if you look at a map of the clubs in Syria, it's heavily. Uh, leaning towards the north, which is nothing new, but um, I, I, I always have a soft spot for some of the clubs that are more southern or centrally located, even the ones in Sicily. So that's why, as much of a shithouse club Palermo is, they at least bring some geographic diversity to the league. Um, say what you want about uh, Maurizio Zapparini, but again, they at least bring something different. But if we look at the Serie B table, now, we have Brescia, Lecce, Palermo, Benevento, Verona at the top. Who would you like to see come? Who do you want to see arrive? I mean, if, I, if it were up to me, it would be Lecce, Palermo, and Benevento. But because I, 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 Lecce is, is a team we haven't seen in a long time in the Serie A. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to, to see, you know, if they can make it, how, what they do. Uh, Palermo, well... I don't, you know, nobody knows who owns that club. I mean, Zamparini is, is I have a fascination with, with Maurizio Zamparini. Um, Benevento, I, I fell in love with that stadium and the fact that they're basically this tiny little place, uh, this tiny little club just outside of Naples, pretty much. Um, Brescia, we know them. They, you know, they're, they're renowned for their ability to harness and develop young talent. Uh, they have one now, Sandro Tonali. Tonali, who's, who's, who's everyone's eyes are on, uh, talking about him as some sort of a next Verratti, Pirlo, Jorginho character. Um, they're doing really, really well. Uh, but if I, if I were, if it were up to me, it would be Lecce, Palermo, and Benevento. But that's not going to happen because Brescia is, is three points clear in top spot with one game less to play, with one game in hand. So Brescia will definitely go up. Uh, as long as Palermo go up uh, and Lecce, I, w I want Lecce and Palermo to go up because I think it would be really interesting. So you mentioned Brescia without even mentioning Massimo Cellino. We would welcome back the legend. 
Yeah, he's funny. Uh, I mean, the, the the man is crazy. Uh, when when we're talking about entertaining crazy football presidents, Massimo Cellino is definitely up there. But he's I feel that he's let me down after Leeds. Like he's not been as crazy and and outspoken as he was during the Cagliari years when he was speaking on the beach uh, loudly for everyone who wanted to listen and Sardin Sardinia. Uh, about when he was going to sell Rajana Ingolam, uh, you know, the, the, he's he's a rock star. He's he's really funny, uh, and but he, you know, he's doing, you know, he knows his stuff. I mean, despite all the craziness, he's, you know, he's brought, he's done well with his clubs. Um, Brescia look to come, be coming back to the Serie A. So yeah, Chloe, um, <clears throat> I agree with Nima in the in the way that I like having Palermo in Serie A. Isn't there? Um, they're a good team to have and also Lecce as well because they've not been in it's something really different not been in for quite a long time um, with Benevento I love the fans I think they were amazing when they had that season in Serie A and they, they're so small and the fact that last time round they'd never been in Serie A before it was a great, great story but I think I would, they've proved with their just record-breaking rubbishness that they were they they weren't fit to be in Serie A, and I wouldn't really like to see them humiliated again like that because then it just becomes a bit embarrassing for them, and and I just kind of feel for them a bit on in that respect. So I don't know really. Um, I think I think Hellas Verona are a club that they. They they're a bit yo-yo, but they do have the fan base and the infrastructure maybe to support a season in Serie A. I just I like to see them come up and kind of hold their own and not just go straight back down. So that's that's really what I'm looking for and and to provide a bit of interest. And I think certainly Lecce and Palermo do that. Hmm. Yeah, fair can we enough. not have one year? Can we just have one year without that horrible stadium in the Serie A? That's all I ask for. Yeah, one that's year true. That's true. Just one year's respite from that stadium. That is all I want. Then we can have yeah. both Kievo, but Kievo and Hellas back. Like, <laughs> have them both back to compensate. I mean, because uh, as John and I have said, that stadium is just, oh, it is where happiness goes to die. It's just that simple. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't want Verona to come up. I agree, Chloe, on Benevento. Um I would actually like to see Brescia, Lecce, and I didn't mention them, but Pescara as well. Um, it's been a while since we've seen them, but um, sort of the point you made with Benevento, Chloe, the, the season they were up, I don't know if anybody remembers, but they were dreadful, absolutely dreadful. So we'll, we'll end it there with some high-quality Serie B talk which is always exciting. Um, definitely ending the ending the episode with relegation in City of Talk, I'm sure, is going to capture everybody's attention at the very end. So that's what we aim to do. Um, so, so we will leave it there, everyone. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you could continue to like, rate, subscribe, review, all of that stuff, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. None of this is possible without you. Um, so until next time, we will talk to you then. Bye-bye.